I am Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Sharon Lever. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Research Director Mike Pregler to discuss the challenging environment that sales leaders face and what it will take to succeed in 2021. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Jen. So, Mike, let's talk about where are sales leaders now? You know, we're six months into the pandemic. Clearly, there's been a shift to virtual selling. What are, you know, maybe some of today's challenges and, you know, how are folks feeling right now? It's a challenge now for, for sales leaders. Uh, the, the business environment that we're all operating in is just unprecedented. It, it, it's something we've never experienced before. And where we are as sales leaders is, is beyond that initial uh, adaptation to uh, the pandemic and what do we do to just survive and we're starting to recognize that not only do we have to deal with the, this current normal but now sales leaders have to prepare for the next normal and that's what they're starting to think about is how to proactively plan for the next normal and so what are maybe some of the main concerns that you're hearing from clients about what that next normal looks like? What are those challenges ahead or to to plan for in 2021? Yeah, as sales leaders are preparing for that next normal, the challenges that they're they're looking at is, one is, of course, where are the markets that are, are the target markets that are growing for us? Where should we be investing our sales resources? Uh, And then how do we invest those sales resources to to capture those those markets? Uh, So for example, what what's the best selling motion to address that? Is it the still, of course, face-to-face now is not something that's possible. So we've shifted to uh, inside sales or digital selling, remote selling, and that's the the next normal, but is that going to continue? And then how do I adapt my sales structure to continue that as we move forward? Uh, Also then how do we blend in other sales motions for uh, other routes to market like indirect channels and even e-commerce. They're starting to look at how do we blend all those together to adapt to the markets that are growing and then, of course, the markets that are, are much more challenged. And I imagine, Mike, I mean, this is, as you mentioned, it's unprecedented. It's just an experience no one's gone through before. So there's no playbook per se, right, that you can kind of dust off the shelf and say, oh, okay, this is what we do in this scenario. So this might be a good segue to talk about, given that, um, what are some of the core basics that you're recommending to sales leaders today in terms of what should they be relying on? What do they double down on to be successful, knowing that there's not a perfect prescription for anybody right now? No, there's not. There, unfortunately, there's not a perfect prescription. So it's kind of going back to uh, the first principle. Uh, and, and as a sales leader, the first principle I look at is what are buyer expectations? Uh, and then we want to really ensure that we're selling the way buyers want to buy. Uh, and earlier this year, we released some research on buyer expectations. Uh, and what buyers are expecting now is really a more open, a more connected, a more intuitive and a more immediate buying experience. And each of those four aspects has implications for the sales organization and how you design your sales organization, but then of course, how you interact with your, your buyers. So 
as a not necessarily a playbook, but as a guidebook, those are the first four principles that I look at to help guide our clients to making the decisions they need to uh, organize their sales force and give them direction on on how to engage with buyers. So, and, and if we look at it, so a couple of key points as you're looking at how you sell the way buyers want to buy, that changes based on uh, a couple of factors that we also use when we're trying to design the sales organization. We have sales leaders look at what the lifetime value of a client is relative to the cost of acquisition of clients in that market segment. And if you blend those, the, that ratio of LTV, lifetime customer value, and CAC, customer acquisition cost, that should be about a three to one ratio. And that gives you a good guide for the amount of investment you should have in capturing new customers in a particular market segment. So you blend the idea of what the buyer expectations are with the cost efficiencies that you require to ensure that you're a profitable business. Mike, that sounds almost oddly um, scientific in a way, right? I, I almost would have expected you to say something much more fluid or they've got to use their gut or really get to know the emotions of their customers or something like that. Um, it sounds to me, and I, I've heard you talk also about the use of the importance of the use of data in these moments and things of that nature. Um, is that a good characterization of it? Is actually don't use your gut as much. Go back to some of these more, you know, scientific tools, if you will, um, to get a footing, to get a foundation, and and understand where to go from there. Yeah, I, I think you proceeded exactly right, Sharon. I I, I think sales, sales as a profession has reached that inflection point where we've shifted from the the heroic uh, individual-based sales process. Uh, yeah, we're going to win this because we're super good and we know what we're doing. We've done it before to being uh, more scientifically driven and data-driven and uh, insights-driven operation and function. Uh, part of that is because uh, sales sales leaders are uh, challenged by their boards uh, and their sales their CEOs to deliver a more predictable, uh, consistent revenue stream. And in order to hit a predictable, consistent revenue stream, you can't rely on heroic efforts because they're unpredictable. But if you can deliver your entire organization to have a very uh, well-designed, well-developed, almost scientific process, then you can start to meet those expectations year over quarter over quarter and year over year. So what kind of data is the most important to them today in this environment? What should sales leaders be looking at to figure out their plan forward or better understand their customers or just build a plan to succeed in this environment? There's, there's so many pieces uh, and you have to look at really the entire buyer's journey. So, and, and that's one of the unique things I think that uh, sales leaders have to recognize now is the buyer's journey uh, in the traditional sales leader's mind was just a segment of the journey. It was through the selling process and then transaction, close, and we move on. But sales leaders need to look at the broader picture is there's a much more top of funnel information that's going on uh, that uh, where we're uh, there's buyers are interacting with an organization prior to getting into a sales cycle. And then also after the close of a transaction, that's really the commencement of a relationship with an organization where uh, the, the buyer starts to get realize the value of the solution. 
and you go into the value realization phase of the relationship. So sales leaders need to ensure that their reps have insights and their organizations have insights across that entire journey from uh, initial interaction with the organization. Uh, where is there, are there intent signals? Uh, are they interacting? Where are they interacting? What information are they seeking? And then as they get into the selling process, understanding well, what triggers are in, in engaging that buyer to take specific actions. Is there content? Is there information? Are there assets that are, are more valuable than others to the selling process? And that helps them put measures on the selling process, but also optimize the selling process as they go. And as you move into the, the closing of the opportunity uh, and the value realization phase, now you're looking at how customers are, are consuming and adopting the solution that you have and how they're getting value out of it. And then what's the next step? Can they expand? Can they use other solutions? Are there more things that can add more value to the, the client? So all those things are really elements that you can measure along the process to help provide more insight to the reps and to the managers in the overall sales organization. How should sales leaders be thinking about some of the online buying behavior or e-commerce and and how, you know, how does that work with human interactions or human support? Um, can you talk a little bit about that, Mike? Yeah, what we're, what we're seeing is uh, you know, sales leaders often look at when they consider their route to market tend to be uh, a single single threaded. I'm thinking of a, one specific route to market, often typically a direct route to market. Uh, and what we're seeing now is that sales leaders need to be have a much broader uh, and more comprehensive view of what their routes to market should be. Uh, certainly direct will be typically part of it indirect or indirect channel partners may be part of it, but e-commerce becomes something that is really um, a, a, a trend that of course has been around for years, but now has to be integrated into the overall strategy of a chief sales officer. How does that e-commerce fit into their overall routes to market strategy? And what go-to-market segments should it be, should it be targeted? Uh, how does it support your your other selling motions, for example? Because it's not an, not often an either or. Uh, it can be a blended experience where buyers may be uh, even in a, a high end go to market model. We've got a high touch model. There may be fulfillment of elements or products that go through e-commerce, and so that sales leader needs to look at the buyer's journey for it and also the cost. Again, thinking of a customer acquisition cost relative to lifetime value and the cost of, of selling uh, and look at what that, that ratio should be to uh, ensure that the products that you're selling uh, kind of are a seamless or frictionless buying experience, but also a cost efficient selling experience. So the cost efficiency piece makes sense. And it, that, that feels like something sales leaders should be looking at at any time, right? It just, it just makes good business sense. Um, you mentioned that it's not always an either or, right? Especially if you think of that entire customer lifecycle, it's probably a blended experience, some digital, some in, in person. I suspect sales leaders are leaning on the digital channel for more of that experience these days um, because they can't do the high touch thing as much. Are there digital channels ready for that? Are most sales leaders prepared and have the technology in place to, to pull that off or are they scrambling a bit? 
it's our there the interesting thing with a, a virtual selling experience is that um, initially as we kind of moved into the pandemic um, you know success was i knew how to turn zoom on or webex or teams uh yeah i got it oh and i got audio to work on the first try that was that was success um but now what we're i think most sellers have become very comfortable with that and buyers have become comfortable with it as well. Although my own experience is it's, it's still not a hundred percent there where it's still not all as comfortable as we should be. But what we need to move into is uh, how do we really optimize that selling experience uh, in a virtual world? So for example, a rep, sitting in a room, a conference room with a group of buyers can very easily read the room and interact with different buyer and personas that are in that room. A virtual selling experience is very different because it's much more difficult to read the room as it were. So that becomes part of the enablement efforts that you have to have as a sales leader is how do you have enable your reps to not only just use the technology, but use it effectively in the sales process to engage buyers and, and engage their audience uh, and, and help the, uh, help the selling process uh, be successful to that virtual experience. And so, I mean, what are organizations doing today to kind of lean in or take a look at e-commerce as like a strong channel for them? Are there certain you know, is there a playbook to extend that as part of your your sales channel? It, it yeah, there there needs there needs they need to build a playbook for how e-commerce becomes part of their overall um, routes to market strategy, uh, and it it's often that uh, e-commerce is a common situation where, for example, an organization has consumables that go along with their products. Let's fulfill that through an e-commerce channel. And that's a fairly simple one that, that's been, uh, I guess, a pretty mature market. But what we're seeing is how do we uh, leverage certain products, maybe in a particular market segment that is a, a transactional market segment for uh, a sales organization? And we, we want to deliver an experience that uh, through, or through e-commerce to that market segment. Then you need to say, well, what's the next step? Once they've transacted with us, how do we start to engage that same buyer into potential upsell, cross-sell, enlargement opportunities? So then does that cross over to other selling motions? So the sales leader's got to think not just about today and with a specific transactional market, but then how do you look at that and transition over time so that you can grow those customers? I have to believe that as a sales executive, um, watching your sales team adapt or not to this new world is probably pretty eye-opening. Um, what are your expectations for what the staff and the organization looks like coming out of this? Um, will sales leaders make big changes? Are they going to be shuffling the decks because they've all of a sudden seen, you know, new either great behaviors from, from some sales folks and, and maybe not so great or not, or at least the ability to not adapt going forward from others. Yeah, it, it's a challenge for sales leaders to always to continually evaluate their team. That, that's part of the normal DNA of a chief sales officer is, is evaluating their, not just their reps, but their managers and ensuring their, uh, 
they're on the path that they expect them to be. But what's changed now in the pandemic is that uh, not only is that it's the normal selling processes, but there's so many other variables or factors that have come into play that are unexpected, um, and and reps have to adapt to them on their uh, their own timeline. So sales leaders need to give them some guidance about what their new expectations are, and their expectations can be guided by you know these. Um, some of the metrics that we suggest that they put in place of using technology and data about interacting with buyers, uh, moving the buyers through the selling process. So ensuring that you can, uh, you kind of help look at your, your reps and know where they're going uh, and, and what they're, what activities they're doing, what activities are really impacting the selling process. And, and by the way, it's, it's not important just to look at reps, but sales leaders need to look at their sales management team and ensure that the management team is enabled with the right coaching uh, skills to help coach reps through this process. Now, that's often overlooked element of execution within a sales organization. The first level sales manager is really key to success here. And if you enable that first level sales manager to really effectively coach their, their reps, guide them through the process, make sure you're measuring them and, and keep them motivated, then that will really ultimately help with success. It's a good point and a good reminder. I think um, there's pieces of that that are very unique to a sales organization, but but that's a recurring theme, it feels like, right? I mean, great employee experience and, and the ability to actually manage through this kind of uh, new normal, if you will, is really relies on managers. Um, you know, you either have the leadership or you don't. Maybe a good segue to channel partners. Um, what's the role of channel partners in this new world? I, I almost expect that sales leaders would want more direct control and almost kind of want to tighten the reins up there and just go more direct to their customers. But that's probably not a smart move. How, how has channel changed in this new world? Yeah, it's, it's it, obviously as a, as a sales leader, the more you can control, the better you feel in a sense. It, but we want to be able to sell the way buyers want to buy and meet buyer expectations. Uh, and buyers have a, a much higher expectation that they're going that sellers are going to deliver a more holistic, complete solution. And no one organization can deliver that entire holistic solution. Often they need to rely on partners, indirect channel partners, to deliver that experience. And as sales leaders, we need to be able to create a, an ecosystem of partners that can deliver that holistic experience uh, and holistic product. So that may include uh, partners that are both sell-through partners, where we're reselling through a partnership, but also sell-with partners that contribute to the, the overall solution, but may not be someone that you're actually selling the product through. And we're trying to build that ecosystem where those sell-with and sell-through partners can collaborate amongst themselves to deliver that solution. So as the supplier, you're really kind of orchestrating that connection as opposed to controlling it. So if you've developed this uh, uh, orchestrated ecosystem, now you're, you're actually getting the partners to uh, to work for you uh, to deliver a solution. You set up that environment where it's in their best interest to work together. So that really scales your ability to deliver a solution to a client. And is that, I mean, is the sales leader, 
are they running point on building that ecosystem of partners or how, how is that facilitated within the organization? Cause I'm assuming that takes a kind of an all hands on deck, depending on what partners you're working with. It, it can, it can take all hands on deck. One, it, it really has to be looked at in terms of um, uh, what your, your buying experience needs to be and what are all the, um, the contributing uh, partners that are required to deliver that whole solution and, and look at that and then manage it. So the, the, really the roles of someone like a channel account manager, that has evolved dramatically because of this ecosystem. So someone in that role is looking at much more of a strategic view of how you have to put together partners and orchestrate them and manage them rather than kind of independently transactionally looking at different partners. Because uh, it can even extend beyond just the partners in the sales organization, but you may think about, do I have partners that are back in the product organization, let's say development partners, who may be working with a delivery partner who finds us a, a gap in a solution, but they reach back into the ecosystem of uh, development partners and pull them in, in to help uh, close the gap in a product that the client, the, the client requires. So we talked about ecosystem partners. I'm interested about internal partners. Um, has, I mean, you're talking a lot about needing to really think about the entire customer lifecycle, the entire relationship with a customer, which obviously requires other partners within the company, whether it's, you know, marketing way up front, product development, customer service, customer success, et cetera. How has that changed, you know, mainly because of this focus on the full customer lifecycle, but also just in, in a world of new uncertainty. What's the current state there? You know, what's, what I think what's happened is that uh, the, the buying experience now we see is, is, is much broader and, and longer. It, it starts earlier than sales leaders expect, and, and, it not, and it continues through not just the transaction of a sale, but then the overall life cycle of a, of a customer. And, what sales leaders need to understand is that it, their segment is not just the middle part of the funnel where it's the, the buying process. Uh, but because that process is so connected that they need to reach out to marketing at the top end of the funnel, but not just at the top of the funnel, but where can marketing help through the selling process? Uh, often sales leaders uh, wanting to control a process that, hey, you know, stay out of my sales process. But now they really can look at uh, bringing marketing proactively into that process to help make it a, a, a better buying experience for the client. And then, of course, once the transaction is complete uh, and the, the client is now owns the solution, is adopting it, is consuming it, gaining value from it, how does the sales leader understand from the customer success organization what additional value can be added what, to that client? Uh, and connecting that experience there and connecting with that organization to help understand what additional products and services can be delivered or sold to the, the client. So a lot more interconnections. Sounds like a lot less, you know, distinct and discrete handoffs, but a lot more collaboration and alignment, really, I guess, is what it comes down to. It can't absolutely. It needs to be a lot more collaboration across the entire process and one of the my my key thoughts here for sales leaders is using you know data and technology to become a much more scientific sales process. Well, that data and technology 
enables that uh, collaboration across the entire flow of the process, all the way from top of funnel uh, in interactions, through the selling process, through to the, the delivery and consumption of part of the process. Technology and data has to be consistent across all of that. One, to facilitate the collaboration, but then also to ensure the client gets the best experience through the entire process. Thanks, Mike, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Mike. Great to have you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.